Today we're going to attempt to conclude a series that we've simply entitled Grace and Truth. The premise of the conversation in John chapter 1 verse 14 says that Jesus in His earthly ministry was full of grace and truth. So we want to live like Jesus, so the question becomes, how do we live in our world today full of grace and truth? Now, I'm not naive. I realize that we could have covered so much more in this series, and I think there's a few practical conversations that still need to be had. So today, as we wrap up this series on Sunday mornings, we're going to shift to our digital platforms, and we're going to continue to offer some articles and some thought-provoking questions about how we live this out. How do we help our kids to live full of grace and truth in our world today? How do we treat and interact full of grace and truth with our different-from-me neighbors? How do we navigate these things? And so we want to talk even more. We'll be shifting to some things on our digital platforms for ongoing thoughts and ongoing conversations. We're to a place where we've been talking about interacting with different groups of people. And last week we focused on how we interact with those who are not following Jesus and then how we as the body of Christ can do what God wants us to when it comes to new Jesus followers and making sure we're on the journey with them as well. Today I want to spend a few moments focused on Christ's followers who can be in danger of turning away from following Jesus and those who may claim to be Christians but may be considered nominal Christians, or those who profess with their mouth that they are Christians, but yet they're living contrary to what the Bible teaches. I'm convinced that in order for us to talk about those things today, I've got to point you to a key part of this conversation, and it starts with the danger of deception that is in our world today. I'm convinced there is an attack on truth in our world today. People are encouraged to live by their feelings. People are encouraged to endorse and accept and even celebrate many different things. Deception at the core of its definition is the act of causing one to accept as true what is actually false. And there is an attack on truth in our world today. And when we define truth, we define truth as Jesus and the understanding of God and His Word. The truth of the Bible, I think we can agree, has been minimized. And there's an ongoing effort in our world today to stigmatize and label the Bible altogether. The danger is that if truth is neglected in one generation, it will be rejected in the next generation. There's a reason why we are said to have the most biblically illiterate time in America that we've ever had. We didn't get here overnight. Somewhere along the way, we took God's Word, we minimized it, we started living by other uh, parameters or feelings or what culture dictates to us, and the Bible has been pushed down rather than being held as the authority. Now, I'm grateful today that even in, a, even in the younger generations that many people criticize today, I'm seeing a resurgence of a hunger for truth. There are young adults and teenagers and people who are tired of seeing all the fake and, and, and all the, the things clamoring for their attention, and they're, they're desiring in their hearts for the truth, the authentic, the real. 
And so I'm encouraged that while many people have shared many statistics about all the next generations, I believe that there is a group of people at least within that generation who hungers for truth, who will follow Jesus, and who will help change their world. So let's not just give up on the next generation. Let's instead invest in the next generation. As a result of the uh, attack on truth, we have now in our culture moral relativism The idea is that no thoughts of anyone are superior to anyone else, and therefore there's no absolute truth. Absolute truth is truth for all time, for all people everywhere. And we have minimized in our culture the Word of God so that it is no longer absolute in many opinions. In fact, we've gone far enough to redefine truth. The truth is now referred to as my truth. And what's true for me may not be true for you, and what's true for you may not be true for someone else. Rather than holding to the Bible as the guide for life and living, it's been labeled as old-fashioned, outdated, and irrelevant for today. We're in a place in our world, and this is why we see true Christ followers being labeled the way they are at times because we're in a place in our world when many people do not want to hear anything that would contradict how they're living or how they want to live. People don't want to face any of those conversations. Now here's the truth. Jesus predicted this would happen. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said that towards the latter stages of this period in history, there would be many people who would come along and would teach many things that we could simply call a false gospel or false teaching that would deceive many people. And there would be many people who would be deceived. That there would be a lot of people who would give up on truth and even trade it for lies. How does this happen? I don't know about you, but I've watched as some of the people I've known personally have been people who've been invested in studying the Word of God, people who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, people who maybe have even been in vocational ministry and thought these are the people who will follow Jesus all the days of their lives. And then, if that's not enough, we're seeing it play out in mainstream media with with others who are said to be in the ministry, and we're seeing them deny their faith and to, to walk away from their faith or to embrace beliefs in conjunction with faith that do not line up with Scripture. And I've always struggled, being honest. I've struggled sometimes when I've watched people follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I don't think they were half in, half out. I think they were genuinely following Jesus. But somewhere along the way, There was influence that came into their lives. Demonic influence, false teaching influence. I mean, with the internet, you can access any opinion you want to access at any moment of any given day. But somewhere along the way, there were voices that began to pull on their lives. And they either maybe didn't walk in community with other believers to have those ongoing conversations, or they begin to give attention more to people rather than to God and to His Word. But somewhere along the way, they turned away from those who were following, turned away from following Jesus, and instead turned towards what culture was dictating in their life. And I struggled. I've struggled many years with that. How do you come to that place? How can people be so easily deceived? How can people be pulled away from the truth of God's Word? How can a person move from following Christ to ultimately abandoning what He says? In 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. 
They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. So we have to acknowledge, at least in this verse of Scripture, that there is a spiritual war going on in ways that maybe we can't see in the natural, but we see the symptoms of this spiritual war playing out in our world today. When humanity, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God, and instead of having authority over the world, handed over that authority, and now we see a, an underlying undercurrent. It's not so underlying and under anymore. It's pretty visible. But we see the demonic. We see the evil at play in our world. So we know there is an enemy of God. There is an enemy of those who follow God. And the enemy is at work to try to pull anyone away from Jesus that they can. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. This is approximately A.D. 65, and the Holy Spirit is inspiring at this moment Paul to write to Timothy and ultimately to us years later about a time when people would reject truth. Are people persuaded by demonic influence or do, do they learn from false teaching? Most likely there's some of both involved. In reality, one way people could be persuaded by false teachers who speak well, things sound polished, it sounds really good, it's persuasive, but it ultimately isn't fact-checked with the Word of God and doesn't align with His Word. In another way, the demonic could influence lives, and then people today are able to find preachers who will agree with them on their interpretation of Scripture. Or the demonic ultimately is working through false teachers to teach things that do not align with the Bible. Here's what we ultimately understand in these verses of Scripture. There are people in the world and even in the local churches who will want to be comfortable in how they live and not told anything contradicting to what they think, feel, or desire. And there are, and I'll use this term loosely, there are preachers that can be found that will twist, distort, and compromise the Bible to fit cultural thoughts and trends for the benefit of their own personal gain or for the benefit of popularity with culture. This is how we end up in our world today in some ways with this idea of having nominal Christians, name-only Christians. These are people who say that they're Christians, they follow Jesus, but either in their lives they pay no attention to the Bible, they aren't engaged in ongoing relationship with Jesus or the local community of other Jesus followers, and they, they get to a place of believing that you can live however one chooses with no consequences, or secondly... There are some nominal Christians who have equated Christianity to certain descriptions that don't guarantee a person is following Jesus at all. For example, there are many people that believe just by being an American, I'm a Christian. And that's not true. Or just because I am a politically conservative voter, I'm a Christian. And that's not true either. 
There are places and people who encourage these thoughts. I don't, I don't know sometimes if they even realize it, but I'm to a place, and I've had some of these conversations this week with some of my friends, but I'm in this place where I get concerned when preachers stand up to preach, and it seems like they're talking more about the political agenda of our culture than they are about the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're arguing back with the devil rather than really giving the light and hope that people need from the Word of God. I'm not suggesting for one moment, maybe this is timely because we're a couple of months away from midterm elections, I'm not suggesting for one moment that we shouldn't vote with biblical conviction. I'm not suggesting for one moment that we should stick our head in the sand and not be engaged. But I am telling you that we've got to be careful not to stoop to the level of the enemy and fight on his level with those things, but rather give people what they're not getting from anywhere else. They're not going to get it on Fox News. They're not going to get it on CNN. They're not going to get it on CNBC. They're not going to get it from Washington, D.C. They need Jesus. They need the Word of God. They need truth. They need hope. They need power. They need life. And they're only going to get it when the church stands up and starts proclaiming the truth rather than just spending all of their time trying to fight everything that's going on in culture. There are people who encourage these thoughts that being American and being politically conservative equals being a Christian. And these people aren't always outside the church. These are, these are people standing in pulpits today that will talk more about some of the political issues than they will about the Word. Sometimes people can even... Check the religious boxes. They can be in church attendance, but they really aren't actively following Jesus with their lives. This is how we have Christians also who are in danger of turning away from following Christ. There are many voices in the world. And if we aren't following Jesus closely, paying attention to the Bible, being full of and led by the Holy Spirit, we will be in danger of being pulled away by other influence. The Scriptures predicted long ago that many people in these days would fall away from Jesus. They would trade truth for lies, and they would be swept up by new revelation that ultimately is false teaching. I'm amazed that even in the church world, we fight this battle with the trends. It's trendy to use this lingo. It's trendy to do this. It's trendy to do that. And I watch as people seem to get caught up in wave upon wave of theological thought. And people get caught up in wave upon wave of these people coming out and saying, I've got this new divine revelation from God. And I'm reading in Scripture and seeing there's nothing new under the sun and thinking to myself, you know, the the time today is not to develop a new thought on Scripture and a new thought on Jesus. The time today is to embrace what's been true all along and continue to cling to it and proclaim it in our world. There are many voices and if we're not careful, people can be pulled away 
The scriptures written long ago foretold us that this day would come, and we, we are encouraged, I would say even commanded. And, and I, I don't know how you read it, but I read it when these, when these writers were inspired of the Holy Spirit to write the words that they've written that we have today. I, I feel a passion. I feel an urgency. There's a sense of, please listen to what I'm saying. And repeatedly in scripture, what the writers are writing is, be alert, be spiritually awake. Be knowledgeable and living by the Word of God. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to avoid being some of the very people who fall away. We need to be true followers of Jesus. So let's pause for a moment. Are we true followers of Jesus ourselves? Is Jesus the God that we keep in our back pocket that we call on and bring out when we need Him? Or is He truly the one that every day with every breath of our lives we're saying, you lead me and I'll follow. You show me the way and I'll do what you tell me to do. Are we the people that cling to your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and wherever you show me, Lord, I'll do that. Then no matter what it costs, I'll follow Jesus. See, that's when the gospel becomes less popular. Because it's, it's popular and it's easier to talk about grace. It's popular and it's easier to talk about all the blessings of God. I mean, even today we sing the truth of, that you can find in Scripture very clearly that we have lived in the goodness of God. And the, the Bible says plainly, Surely His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the end of Psalm 23. All of those things are true. But are we so caught up in living in the blessing that we forgot to serve the one who's blessing us? Do we come to Jesus and say, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, and do this and do that and do the other? But maybe we neglect saying, Jesus, you are the leader and the king of my life and I'll follow you. Are we followers of Jesus? Because only when we're really following Jesus can we help inspire other people to follow Jesus and help to inspire other people from turning away from the truth. Now listen closely to me. We shouldn't be a people who are self-appointed critics who go around telling everybody what's wrong in their lives. Criticism is not a spiritual gift. And yet, the flip side of that is that we do want to help other people follow Jesus. And I would never want to see my brothers and sisters in Christ turn away from the truth. So how do we do that? What we don't want to do is stand by in our world today while our brothers and sisters are following Jesus, but they begin to be influenced by other things. And we don't want to watch them turn away from Jesus and go the other direction. I get it. There's free will. I understand people have to make their decisions. I get all of that. But I don't want to be guilty of standing back watching someone turn away from Jesus. When perhaps just maybe the Holy Spirit can use me to be on a journey with someone to help them continue to follow Christ. How do we do this? I want to suggest a few things to you this morning. Number one, I believe in this day we're living especially, it's vitally important that we're connected within the body of Christ. It's vitally important that we're connected within the body of Christ. 
say all you want to about it's me and Jesus and I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I understand the intent of those things. I understand that a relationship with Jesus is much more than just attending a church service. That's true. But I also understand on the flip side of that, that Jesus didn't design our lives to be lived alone. He designed us to do life in community with other Jesus followers. You can't read the New Testament Scripture and not see the 100 times the Greek word used for one another is used. And when it's used, it's often associated with a command from Christ. Love one another. Serve one another. Confess to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Motivate or encourage one another. It's in this Jesus-centered relationship that we journey together focusing on truth. The writer of Proverbs said in Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We grow together. We are learning from others along the journey, and others learn from us. We build trust. Last week we talked about how Jesus invited the disciples to follow Him, that they might be with Him, and that they might learn from Him, and ultimately live to mimic Jesus. We are to be those people who are on the journey with one another. We can learn from each other and grow with each other and we build trust and care is shown. And in that process of relationships, why does it matter so much to be connected within the body of Christ? It's in that process of relationships that we learn each other's heart. Why does it matter? Well then, when a Jesus follower is tempted to turn or tempted by wrong teaching... That trusted relationship becomes the arena in which truth can be shared and accepted and understood and received. Depth in relationships means a deeper level of care. Let me ask you very simply, who are you more likely to receive something from as far as a word spoken into your life? Someone who you don't know at all or someone who you've known for a while and you know their journey with Jesus? I'm not minimizing that the Holy Spirit can prompt someone to speak into anyone's life at any given moment. We understand the Holy Spirit is so powerful that He can do those things. But most of us are going to live in a way that we're not going to care about what everybody else tells us until we know how much they care about us. That's the truth of the world we're living in in many ways. And so when the person you know and love and trust, the one you're on the journey with, cares enough to say, hey, I've noticed something's up. Something's different with you. Hey, I've noticed that you're, you're, you're sliding. There, there's a fade going on here. I don't see you anymore. I, I, I don't hear your love for Jesus coming out in life. Your posts on social media seem to be a lot different than what they used to be. When all of these things start coming up, there's a trusted friend that you're on the journey with that you can say, Hey, are you okay? Where are you at? Or let's study this together. And when that happens from people you know and you're on the journey with, it comes from a receivable place. Let me tell you something about humanity. Humanity has a pride problem. Sometimes we don't want to be told what to do or how we should do it. That's ultimately the struggle of Jesus being the Lord of our lives, right? He gets to lead. He gets to dictate. He gets to speak and we follow. Right? 
That's maybe perhaps even more of a struggle in this context, in America, in the affluence that comes with living in America. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We have rights. We have freedoms. Have you ever heard that before? It's not to say that that's not true as being a citizen of America, but greater than being a citizen of America, we are citizens of heaven, and our king is the king of eternity. His name is Jesus, and we are to follow him. So that means when it comes to pride, we have to deal with that so that we give permission to other people to speak into our lives. I have some friends who... uh, some of them local, some of them out of state, some of them probably out of the country. Friends who I trust, they trust me. We talk about some of the most deep thoughts, deep things going on in our hearts, our lives, the frustrations, the, the things that maybe we wouldn't just jump up and want to tell everybody about as far as, you know, really wish this would have happened or thinking the timeline was different or different things going on in life. And I have friends who they have permission that if something's going on in me, I expect that they would tell me. I have a board, even in this church, and, and I, I'm not speaking against uh, uh, churches that maybe have a different governance or a different structure, but I value being on a journey with a board of people because I trust that if there's something in me that's waving a red flag, that somebody's going to say something. I'm not talking about just to be critical. Well, pastor, you got kind of loud last week. Or, pastor, I didn't like the jeans you had on. I'm not sure I like them either. I think I'm losing leg hair right here because they're so tight on those shins. I mean, really, now all of you are looking at my jeans. This is awkward. But I have people who, if they genuinely see something going on in me, they're going to say something. That's the way it should be in our lives. Our staff, same thing. We're on a journey together. I understand my role. I understand my chair. I understand what, how that works. I get all of that. But at the same time, we're all part of the body of Christ. So if there are red flags, we should be giving people permission in our lives within the body of Christ, those trusted people we're on the journey with, to say, hey, there's something up, and I love you enough that I'm going to talk to you about it. I love you enough that I'm not going to see you fall away from Jesus. I love you enough that even though you may not like it initially, at least you'll know my heart. At least you can know where I'm coming from. I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm convinced that some of the best opportunities for growth come through relationships in the body of Christ. Some of the, some of the greatest moments of hearing the voice of God, not the only moments, because we should have a personal relationship with Jesus, but some of the greatest moments of God speaking in my life have come through those trusted people as we're on the journey together. We need to be connected within the body of Christ. I'll go further to say we're living in a world that's more and more opposing to the gospel of Jesus and the truth of God's word. And we're going to need, when the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 
talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but do it even more so as you see the day approaching and motivate and encourage one another to do good works. When, when the writer of Hebrews is saying that, it, it's not just so somebody somewhere can mark your name on a checklist to say you were at church that day. It's that the writers inspired of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' own predictions himself all spoke about the tensions and the trials and the tribulations and the struggles that can come simply by following Jesus. And we as a body of Christ are stronger together when we're on this journey than we are apart. Secondly, so we're first, it's vitally important that we're connected in the body of Christ. Secondly, if you feel there's something that someone else needs to hear... Go to the person, not to someone else. We do damage to others when we go around talking about other people's failures. It takes only a matter of moments for me to say something to another person about someone else and they're influenced And their opinion about that person is totally different, all because of what I said. In Matthew chapter 18, I think there's a good bit of application here, but the the one I want to draw today is that it explicitly states that when a brother or sister has either sinned against you or given in to sin, uh, or or maybe they've been in the process of being deceived, there's a lot of context there that we could apply But ultimately, the person that's recognized and the person that's on that journey that cares about that person should go to that person in an effort to restore them and not go to other people and tell everyone else about how they've fallen. I've got to be honest. There was a a podcast uh, back probably over a year ago that started. And... uh, I started listening to it. I had listened to the the minister, the pastor who had pastored this church that was the topic of the conversation. And, and uh, I started listening to it and he was going through all the, the things that basically had happened behind the scenes that caused the demise of the pastor and ultimately of their church. It dissolved completely. And I listened to it and I, I, I got... I don't know, probably four episodes into the podcast. And I mean, I'm talking chunks, like hour, hour and a half long chunks of just quoting this pastor and talking about what he'd say in sermons and talking about how he treated staff members behind the scene and talking about how the church culture was with, with certain groups of people and all these different things. And, and I got further into the podcast, and I don't, I don't remember exactly where I was, but it feels like it was on, I was on a plane and I just... I just had kind of that pause moment, that realization moment of, you know, I'm not sure this podcast is doing anybody any good. Yeah, we should learn from people who, who have, have fallen. We should learn how not to get to that place. We should recognize the red flags. We should deal with those things and be fully aware. But, but what good have we done if we've then taken that and smeared it to everybody else? And ultimately, what good does it do for the body of Christ as a witness into a lost world if people think that being a part of the body of Christ is nothing but people stabbing each other in the back? 
How, how, why would anyone want to be part of something if they can get that same behavior out in the world? Right? I can tell this is a tough message. It is, isn't it? It's hard. We need to be people who, for us, the goal isn't to label people. Did you know what they did? Do you know how they failed? Do you know how this happened? But more, our goal is to come alongside and journey with people and help people follow Jesus. Thirdly, we need to be prayerful. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help. And we need to lovingly communicate. If we're concerned that someone who's been following Jesus is is somehow being influenced along the way and they're turning away from Christ, they're turning away from the truth of the Word, then we need to be prayerful. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And then when we sit down to talk with someone, we need to trust the Holy Spirit to help us to lovingly communicate. Before I have meetings and conversations with people, especially those that that have the potential to be tense or tough or the the topic is tough or I know I'm going to need wisdom to respond to something that's going to be asked or said, whatever the case, I give time, even sometimes days if possible, to pray, to ask God to guide my thoughts, to consider how to lead well and to communicate with love. Jesus, how can I represent you well? in this conversation. We can ask God in these moments to search our hearts and make sure that our motives are pure and that we're where we need to be. Let it be said that when we have seen some of these things play out in our world, when we have seen high... um, high visual leaders that have fallen in the church world, when we have seen people turn away from following Christ, when all these things have happened, rather than taking it to a podcast, perhaps we could learn from it and pray, Lord, if there's anything in me, if there's something in my heart that's not pure, that's not right, that that doesn't align with with how I need to be as a Christ follower and how I need to be as, as a leader, even in my context, Lord, search me. And then we can step into that conversation with a pure heart and the Holy Spirit can help us in how we help other people. Lastly today, I'll say this. When we talk about helping people follow Jesus and people who can be influenced away from Him, the question for us needs to become, what do Jesus and the Bible have to say about this? It's not of a, about just matters of opinion. It's not about just matters of preference. When it comes down to how we live, we should be looking to Jesus and God's Word. If we're truly following Jesus, we're going to pay attention to what God has to say. So in, in the context of relationships, that means we agree to study a passage together. Or maybe we're already studying and something comes up that speaks into the way we're living in some way. And we're able to say, I'm going to surrender to whatever God is saying in His Word. It's not just about what another person says. It's about what God is saying about my life. We set the standard of truth as the Bible and we honor God as the authority in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, many of you know it. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. How can I summarize what the Bible is for a Jesus follower? There it is. The Word of God to me to help me know how to live. And we should honor the Word of God that way. Let's land here. Sometime between A.D. 70 and 80, there's a guy named Jude who sat down to write a letter to Jesus' followers. It's the second to last book in your Bible. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, there's only one chapter. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to, notice these words, defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. So I get this, this picture that he's wanting to sit down and talk about the grace through faith. He's wanting to talk about the blessings of being a child of God and the salvation that we share and how we've been brought into the family of God, all these things. And he says, but, but now I find I must write about something else. And i got to tell you, if you believe the verse we just read a moment ago, then you believe the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, breathed into those writers to pen what they penned. And if that's true, then what we see in this moment is more than just Jude making some random decision. Uh, you know what? I think I'll write about something else. This was not that. This was the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write what he was about to write. Why the change? Listen to verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So what's happening? Jude, in the face of people who are coming even into the body of Christ as false teachers and they're teaching false things, Jude urged Jesus' followers to fight, to contend, to defend the faith, to be prepared to stand firm in the truth even if others distort and compromise. It doesn't mean we have to treat people harshly or with a bad attitude, but it means that Jude was calling Jesus' followers to take a stand for what God said. Is that not a call for today? To take a stand for what God said. Towards the end of his letter, Jude said in verses 20 through 23, But you, dear friends, must build each other up. So there's that idea of being on the journey together. We must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Notice this. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment or from the fire. Show mercy still to others... But do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. What's Jude saying? What was he writing? 
There are going to be some people somewhere along the way within your group, your life circle, your, your portion of the local church, the body of Christ. There are going to be some people somewhere along the way that are going to be tempted to turn from Jesus. They're going to be influenced in some way to be tempted to turn from Jesus. You as Christ followers, journey together, build each other up because you're going to need each other in the day you're living. Build each other up in the most holy faith. And when you see a brother or sister that's tempted to turn away from Jesus, go with mercy and grace. Do it in the right attitude and show mercy to those who are wavering. And then there are others who have not accepted the truth of Jesus. Rescue them by snatching them from the flames of judgment. And when you're doing all of it, do it with great caution so that you don't get caught up in deception as well. Just before we moved to Minnesota, um, I did a funeral service for a young man who um, I had been honored to officiate his wedding. I journeyed with him while he was still in high school. He goes off to college. He, uh, he, he meets this young lady who was the daughter of a pastor. Um, beautiful relationship. They get married. Several years later, um, God's really blessed their life. They they, um, they're following Jesus with everything they have. And, and um, they were on, on a piece of property. And they were, they were building a house. They've been blessed to be able to build a house. They had three kids, beautiful children. And they pulled out that night from their property to build that house. And when they pulled out, a drunk driver was flying down the highway and T-boned their van And for days, we didn't know what was going to happen to the husband. At one point, it looked hopeless. Then the next few days, it looked like things were going to turn around miraculously. Um, And then, ultimately, he passed away. What triggered this uh, was yesterday, uh, his his widow, uh, the, the husband was an organ donor. So yesterday, his widow... Uh, got to listen to her husband's heart in the man who received the transplant. I've watched as that widow has grieved and grieved and grieved. I mean, totally strong. I don't even know how she's done it. Just an awful situation. And I've just been reminded in that. I've done many, many funerals through the years. But that one hit close to home for me. And it just reminded me again just how fragile life is and how quickly things can change. So I can tell you as a pastor, as your pastor, And when I talk about following Jesus and I I get to journey with you and we get to be a part of all these things, it's it's not from a place of judgment. It's never from a place of how dare you? How could you think to do things like that? But, But if I'm looking and watching and journeying with people and I begin to see concern that maybe they're being pulled or influenced the other direction, I'm remembering just how quickly eternity can come. And with all the care in my heart, 
I'm telling you that there's never been a time perhaps like the present that we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to follow the Word of God. We've got to stand for the truth. It doesn't mean that we should be angry and hateful to people. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm also saying that we can't allow as the body of Christ to dictate and for culture to dictate how we live. God has spoken. God has called us from darkness into His marvelous light. And now by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can follow Jesus. We can live a holy life. Not a perfect life, but we can live and grow to become more like Christ. And I want every one of us to live that life. So that whatever day, whenever it comes, we can all be together in eternity forever. How do we do that? We follow Jesus. We follow truth. There's no greater truth than the reality of sin infecting the human life. But the best news conquers the bad news. And the truth is that God loved us enough that He gave His only Son to die on the cross for us. And I can't speak for you, but I'll give the rest of my life to follow Jesus. And I want you to do the same. I want you to do the same. I want us to be a people that are on this journey together. Follow Jesus, that help one another, that build up each other. Would you stand with me if you're in the auditorium today? In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to dismiss the service. You as parents are going to be able to, to pick up your students today if they're in groups or be able to walk out into the lobby together. And there's a beautiful spot for you to take pictures to celebrate back to school if you're like me you, you, you may forget to take it on Monday morning but you can do it today and make sure you've got a picture I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and if you've been here long enough you know this is not a religious exercise this is I want you to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to your life today and I just want to ask you as plainly as I know how in this moment are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? I want to ask some prayer team members and leaders that are here if you would begin to move from where you are and to place yourselves either side of the auditorium today. Are you following Jesus in your life? Are you paying attention to what God has to say? What, what voice or voices are you listening to? Is it God? Is it His Word? Is it the, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you listening to, to culture? Are you listening to all the different voices in our world that are seeking your attention? Are you giving other Jesus followers opportunity to speak into your life? Are you putting yourself in a position that you're willing to say... You know, if there's something going on in me, I want someone to journey with me. I want to I want to have a depth in relationships in the body of Christ. I don't want to I don't want to veer. I don't want to get pulled away and, and and I understand the Holy Spirit helps to convict, convince and to lead and I understand all of that, but I also know there are times that people can be used of God to speak into us. Are we willing to commit to that journey within the body of Christ? 
Can we rightly respond when God uses someone to journey with us and and maybe even to say, hey, there's something up. What's going on? I don't want to say this in a way that creates fear, but I also don't want to minimize. I got to tell you today, this spiritual journey is serious business. This journey with Jesus is serious business. And the enemy would love to pull you away from following Christ. And the world is full of that enemy influence. There are opinions that are pulling on you every day. I'm telling you the answer for us, church, is to follow Jesus. To pay attention to what he has to say. I'm going to pray over you today and then I'm going to challenge you to take a few moments and respond wherever you are, whether you're in this room or whether you're online. Take some time to respond. Father, thank you for your word. I pray in these moments we respond how we need to. That we would truly be Jesus followers in our lives. I pray that you would bless and keep this people and make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them, Lord. May your countenance ever be turned their direction and grant them your peace. Go with us, keep us, and lead us, and may we follow you every day, every breath of our lives. In Jesus' name.